Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Happy Horns and Hump Day, Pagans Tonight Radio listeners. You are tuned in to Great Right Radio here on a Wednesday night, the night after elections in the U.S., (laughs) and also Astrological Samhain. We're so glad that you have made us part of your week, and we're going to be excited to hang out with you for the next hour or so. You are listening to All Acts of Love and Pleasure, the show where we talk about sex, sexuality, gender, relationships, queer issues, and more, including politics and social justice, all from a pagan perspective. I'm Dr. Susan. And I'm Michael Graywell. And we're so glad to be back with you. Uh, If you tuned in last week, you know we had a rerun because we were off doing witchy things. Different witchy things than we do when we're on the when we're uh, on the radio with y'all, but we're here live tonight. We'd love it if you'd be part of the show. You can do that by hanging out in the chat room, which will be coming up at HigginsTonight.com here in a moment. You can also follow us on our Facebook page, which is at Facebook.com/AllXLove, and we'll be posting links and other good stuff both throughout the show and afterwards. For, um, books and websites and things that we refer to, you can send us an email at actsofloveandpleasure at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at loveandpleasure. That's love, L-U-V, and pleasure. Uh, you can also call in if you would like at area code 347-308-8222. We'll keep an eye on the switchboard tonight and see if you call in. We're, mm-hmm. I'm just a little bit off my game because I feel like it's been a lifetime since I've, I've been uh, here with you in the studio, Michael. Last time I was here, I was interviewing Dakota Bracholi, who was leading the hex against Brett Kavanaugh out in Brooklyn, and now we are just in it. I was at a reclaiming event where we were looking at, at white supremacy and for spiritual bypassing and social justice, and then came back and jumped right into the election. So it's been kind of an intense time. So how have you been? Oh, goodness. I've been good. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like I really haven't done a lot since uh, (laughs) last time I was on the show. Uh, Other than just working a lot. Well, no, I take that back. A road trip, too, as I recall. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I did have a road trip. Well, I guess a road trip. Is it really a road trip if you're taking the train? That counts. <laughs> but yeah, no, I did. Uh, and now that I think about it, I'm like, I did do something really big. What am I talking about? <laughs> I went to go visit my um, boyfriend uh, the week before Samhain for uh, his actually his wedding you know i am in a polyamorous relationship my boyfriend uh married his husband well his now husband uh and yeah i was there for their actual like their legal wedding and i performed the 
spiritual wedding, I hand fasted them. And it was, a, which reminds me, I need to share with you the ritual I ended up coming up with. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm excited to see how it turned out. I know you were working on it. Yes. And, oh my gosh. So just because I have, I'm trying to think of the words I'm wanting to say. <laughs> so I have to say it was a very fast, a little bit thrown together ritual because if you're someone who does, you know, hand hand fastings, weddings, etc., you know it takes a lot of sitting with the couple and you know deciding what they want to do, deciding how to do this, how to do that. We did none of that. <laughs> it was very like we were like we need to we need to schedule some time to you know sit down and you know talk about this. Never happened, <laughs> and for for various reasons, you know, trying to coordinate three people's schedules, and when the people who are getting hand fasted barely get to see each other, you know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, but, I hear that. I hear that. But, but luckily, you know, I had some resources that you gave me and, you know, some time before the actual, when they wanted to get hand-fasted, to sit and be like, okay, we need to do this, we need to get this, we need to do that. And some stuff just kind of fell into place. Like, I was worried about, because most couples who get hand-fasted, you know, they want to keep their hand-fasting cords in a box. You know, right. they choose it out ahead of time. It's something that, you know, it's this box is for that. They keep other stuff in there maybe and whatnot. And I was like, we don't have a box. But as soon as I get to their apartment, um, my um, my boyfriend's husband, he pulls out this beautifully, like, I don't think it was carved, but it, was, it had this box that a friend of theirs gave them that had some like really nice coffee in it but on the lid of the box it had their name and the date of their wedding oh I was like perfect and I was like we can use this to hold your hand fasting cord and he's like you're right we can (laughs) (laughs) so and after that it was just running around getting, you know, this, that, you know, a candle, some incense, you know, actually like finishing typing up the thing and printing it out right. and, you know, deciding on where they wanted to do it, which was a lot of mm-hmm. fun since they wanted to do it in this particular park under the full moon and all the parks close at dusk. Oh. <laughs> so it was like, okay, keep an eye out for any cops. Let's do this. <laughs> it made me think back to college. <laughs> oh, that sounds magical, though. <laughs> it was. Oh my! And there was a portion where I'm invoking the divine called the elements, and I call. Uh, the an- their ancestors of blood and of spirit who would you know bear witness and bless this union. They both said afterwards. They both said, 
So, yeah, I definitely had, like, a lot of relatives show up. So nice. Like, awesome. Nice. And, you know, it was nice to hear my boyfriend say that as well, because he's still kind of getting, he's he has his, like, toes into the pagan pool. You know, he's mm-hmm. open to it, but he has no uh, defined path, I guess is the right I word. So he was definitely like, yeah, nice. I, my grandparents were there. So. Nice. So, yeah. No, I, I hear you about the you know, the piece where you've got to get together with the couple. And I, I've done, I guess, I'd have to count, but I think it's probably right about a dozen weddings now. Um, and the I've had everything from a couple that, basically handed me the ritual they had written and they just wanted me to do it to mm-hmm. people that I had to kind of you know write the ritual with. And uh, my easiest couple was when I sat down with them and I said, so what do you want from your wedding? And they said, mm-hmm. well, here's the thing. We picture that we get to the venue and we're not married. And then you say some stuff and we are married and then we're eating pizza and drinking beer. <laughs> it's like, okay, that, that ceremony was less than five minutes long. <laughs> it was just like, it, it was, I was like, okay, um, you could give me a little more to work with, but all right. And they did have pizza delivered. That was their reception. It was great. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's, it's a lot of, it, it's a lot of it, fun. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it made me think back to, where was it? Two or three PSGs ago when Selena Fox, was doing her um, week-long intensive at PSG, where it's on hand fasting, mm-hmm. and I made it to two of two of the intensives, not realizing it was a week-long thing. I was like, "Oh, I have other stuff I wanted to do." Right, <laughs> right. Just good information that I got, <laughs> and that's where I got the "Oh, you need to, you really should be, you know, sitting down with a couple and going over every every little detail with them." All right, okay. Yeah, it's uh, officiating weddings is and hand fastings is one of my favorite parts of priestess work. I like doing life passages in general, but weddings are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think if I have any book this year, I have a bunch of folks in my life who got engaged. So I'm, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that I will have some weddings to <laughs> to do. And I and I do I've done hand fastings and I've done weddings that don't incorporate that piece, but. Um, now that I, it's like Cosmo or Brides Magazine or something just covered hand fasting as a tradition, so now it's been really, you know, Ooh. yes, there was a huge piece. Um, one of the people in my women's circle posted it and said, "Oh, I really want to do this when I get married." And I was like, "Wait, wait, that's from like a mainstream wedding, huh?" Okay, um, so there may be more demand for that now, which mm. is kind of cool. We're like, going. No, it's one of the services that we offer. So, and now they, now you've done your first one. So, the next one will be. Yeah. You'll have you'll have something to sort of show the next you know couple or triad or whoever it is that that you mm-hmm. hand pass. Um, you know, so you can say, "Well, I'm my last hand pass." <laughs> and it's, it sounds like they were very happy with it. The couple was very happy with it. 
Yeah, I, I let them read it before, you know, after I finished typing it up. And mm-hmm. they both are very emotional people, and I love them for that. And they were both crying as they were reading it. I'm oh. like, great. <laughs> this is going to be... This is going to be a hot mess if everyone starts crying during the ritual. Oh, I just—I've done so many weddings, and I've even used you know the same vows in a lot of the weddings I've done because mm-hmm. they're ones that I, I offer several sets to the, mm-hmm. the people that are getting married, and that's the one that people like the most. Um, and they're—they're they're not mine; they're adapted from something that uh, Raven Raven Caldera wrote, and I've added my own touches. Um, but no matter how many times I take couples through those vows, I almost cry every time. <laughs> <laughs> you just get used to it. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing to be able to do with people. So yeah. good. And you got to have a, a good visit up in Champaign for a few days? I did. It It was a... It was just... There were parts during my visit where I was like... I really miss this. I really miss this area. I really miss these people. Right. And no, I, I hear like, that. And you know, then I also had moments where I was like, "There is nothing to do here after a certain time." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I hear that. I um, spent some time in Champaign last spring. I'll be going there again this coming spring for a conference and. It's the same thing when I go home to South Dakota where I'm like, oh, I miss it. It's so beautiful, and I miss these people. And by the fourth day, I'm like, oh, oh, it's time to go home. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, ideally I could, you know, just go back and forth at will, but alas, that is not my life. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If only. (laughs) (laughs) When we win the lottery, friends. But I guess we have to uh, play. Yeah. So there's sure. that. But you know, other than other than that, my little adventure, and we've had a couple of you know really good guests on lately. What have you been up to, Doctor Susan? Oh my goodness, I have been busy. Um, I had a kind of moment today where I I feel like the fall kind of caught up with me, and so I'm kind of looking at my calendar and freaking out. Um, last time I saw you, the biggest thing I did was I went to a Tejas Web, which is the Texas Reclaiming Collective community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Starhawk folks, um, they had a dandelion oh. gathering, which is a weekend intensive um, Thursday through Sunday down in Wimberley, which is right outside Austin. I had a friend who generously last summer while I was unemployed offered to sponsor me to go. Because um, she wanted mm-hmm. to go, and she didn't want to go by herself, and she wanted to go with me. So um, I, I let her be generous and give me that gift. And mm-hmm. this was an intensive about confronting uh, white supremacy and racism and colonialism, both in the wider overculture and in our practice. Uh, so it was a lot of, of hard work, um, you know, because paganism is so white. Uh, although this gathering was not 100% white, paganism is so white. Uh, and so it was a space where there were a lot of really difficult conversations, but reclaiming as a tradition has the, some really good tools for working through that stuff and, and 
supporting each other and calling each other in. So I went Mm -hmm. and I was just going to hang out for a couple days and do the work. And by the third, second morning, I was helping plan rituals. Um, So I I went down there and I wasn't going to be anybody's priestess, but uh, you know me. So (laughs) I jumped right into the middle of all of that. Uh, it was it was amazing. It was really transformative. They put on a very nice gathering. It was a great group of people. There were about 60 of us, um, mm-hmm. and it was gender diverse, which was different for me. I haven't done ritual and magic with straight cisgender men in a long time, and that was actually a really positive experience. I felt like it was a really healing experience, and to be in a place mm-hmm. that was on you – know, focused on social justice where we were there to have the conversation and not have to kind of one-on-one people was nice. It was a space where people are on the same page about the, about trans inclusion. They were on the same page about cultural appropriation and to be able to have some of those deep conversations that I think we need to have. And, and in a space where that was the point and where it was set up for that and where we were given tools and expectations was really cool. So I am looking forward to going to their week-long witch camp next year. I'm going to help with some of the planning, actually, because that's what I do, uh, even when I say I'm going to sit back and not take an action. <laughs> so, um, that was big. I came back from that and kind of hit the ground running. Um, that was the weekend before Samhain. So mm-hmm. I've only been back, you know, not even two weeks. It seems like a lifetime. Um Mm-hmm. I've also been having a really good conversation with Shekinah Mountain Water's daughter. Um, Ariadne's Thread is coming out in a new edition, and there was some pushback because uh, Ruth Barrett was going to be writing the foreword for that. And, of course, Shekinah's work was trans-inclusive, and Ruth Barrett's a big, big old turf. Um, so um, I kind of was in the discussion on the Shekinah Mountain Water Facebook page, and her daughter messaged me privately, and we've had some really great conversations and she had already made the hard decision that Barrett was not, is not going to be writing that forward um, because so many of us said that we wouldn't support the book if she did. So it's been kind of interesting to have a conversation with the daughter of this woman who really influenced my thinking about the craft and mm-hmm. to be able to tell her how much her mother's work meant to me and, and, and to think about how we move forward. It, that happened right before I left for Dandelion and it was just kind of kind of blew my mind uh, so mm-hmm. you know just doing some, doing some light work there um <laughs> you know, i'm working a, a full-time corporate job right now um going to be that's going to be done on the 16th it looks like so i'm looking for my next great adventure and uh my job ends on the 16th and then we've got thanksgiving and then the weekend after thanksgiving i go to belgium so Woo. And in the middle of all that, I'm doing some vending at an event outside of uh, outside of DFW this weekend. I will be out at Steampunk November. I'll post the site for that. Uh, and I'm trying to keep up with all of my writing and all of my everything. So I uh, feel like I lost a lot of time this summer while I was unemployed, but not really in a good space to be creative. And now I'm super creative and need more hours in the day. So it's a... You know, those who follow me know that I, I tend to like to be busy, so I'm kind of in my zone right now. I just could really use a house elf or two. 
<laughs> and in the middle of all that, of course, keeping up with the elections and uh, I know you Gosh. and I are both working on the fabulous book, Magic for the Resistance by Michael M. Hughes, which we'll be talking about tonight. So it's it's been, uh, as we sort of go into the into the dark half of the year, it has been a busy, busy time and uh, we're all kind of, I feel like the, the elections last night were an important Milestones, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's been wild. I'm ready for things to calm down a little bit when I get back from Belgium. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel I feel like it's been like a month since I've been on the radio with you, and I guess it probably has. Um, yeah, because our last show was a a rerun, and then the show before that, it was just uh, myself in Dakota. So the mm-hmm. the Dakota Witch meeting of the minds, if you will, that was a great interview. <laughs> I can't wait to have them back uh, and see what they're what they're up to and see uh, what what uh, Catland Books has has coming up. They are really leading the charge in a lot of the magical resistance. So mm-hmm. it's good stuff. Uh, and I'm also kind of coming off of having stayed up last night to watch the returns. So did you stay up last night and watch the midterm returns? I I stayed up to a certain point, but then I was like, I well, I wasn't necessarily watching, but I was watching my Twitter and um, various other feeds while I was hanging out with a friend, because I was like, I'm gonna need a drink, depending either way <laughs> how it goes. And we were watching a movie and having drinks at their place, and started feeling my phone vibrate because it's like I have I get notified when certain witches tweet and whatnot and I was like oh fuck <laughs> where's where's the where's the whiskey <laughs> when I saw Ted Cruz had won and um I'd seen uh the governor um one earlier right right Abbott yeah. and yeah, the Greg Abbott versus Lupe Valdez, and I was like, I knew it was a long shot, but it's like you know we still gave it our best, and I feel like Lupe got a very good turnout. She had a great showing, especially because, quite frankly, she did not run a very good campaign. Um, she was not very visible. She didn't have much money, and she had no ground game, and she still made it close. So. Yeah. I, I have to give and, props and, for that. Yeah. And that was definitely something I noticed. I know seeing so much about uh, Beto versus Cruz that I saw almost no advertisements or anything for um, Valdez versus Abbott. Right. Yeah. I, I had a lot of Abbott ads served up to me on social media, but I, I saw almost nothing for Valdez. So I don't know what sort of happened there. Um, I think we're going to have to have a, a big reckoning in, in Texas to get a Democratic governor. Uh, but it was really exciting to see all the governorships that did go into Democratic hands last night. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all the first, Colorado, electing the first gay man to a governorship anywhere in the U.S. and, and Jewish, too. So that was, especially at this cultural moment, how exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it was um, kind of a long night last night. Even though Texas got called called in pretty early. Yeah. It was definitely uh, something to watch um, for sure. And I I think this cycle has been really interesting because there's been so much discussion about magic and and witches and hexes and binding and all of that in, in the political process in a way that I never thought I would see in my lifetime been also interesting to sit and think about that and think about all the people I knew that were probably just working away <laughs> during the returns <laughs> last night to see what would happen. Yes. Uh, it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think of words and I'm, I'm getting flustered. It's, you know, it's just, a lot. So, I, I think we're going to transition into some music for y'all because it's a lot to lot to process, but we are here to talk about not just the midterms, but about political magic. There's been a discussion widely in the pagan sphere about whether or not we should be involved politically, what that should look like. If you listen to my fabulous interview with Dakota Bersholi uh, a month ago now, uh, you know, we he, uh, they and I talked about that and the the backlash that people are getting, but there's also real energy around the image of particularly the witch as a figure in the resistance, and particularly the the witch as a woman or non-binary um, person of color in the resistance. And there, I think there's a lot to discuss there. So uh, we'll have a little Celia her ode to. The red, white, and blue, if you will, and we'll be back to talk about political magic here in a few minutes. She is a young African American male. By the time he hits draft age, he might be dead or live in jail. And he found his life of crime when they said no child left behind. He's an American too. She is 90 with dementia all alone Well, her family couldn't take it So they put her in that home And now she withers down to bones At night she gently moans She's an American too She is a young mong refugee She's four with child If her daddy finds out Call themselves the Christian light She's an American Yeah. Uh-huh. 
discussion with that tonight we are talking about the results of the 2018 midterms as well as sort of political magic uh, in case this is your first time tuning in to us you're listening to all acts of love and pleasure here on pagan Tonight radio i am dr susan and in the studio with me is my fabulous co-host and co-pilot michael Graywolf. so we're talking in the green room about what a ride it was to watch the races here in Texas last night. And we'd love to hear from y'all that stayed up and watched the primaries and, uh, or watched the midterms, watched the results. Uh, you know, what, what, what that was like if you were engaging in any pagan community or any work around that. And you can, probably the best way to get that to us in a good time is either to come into the chat room here at pagans.tonight.com or hit us up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all acts love. We were talking in the uh, in the green room about the way in which sort of the figure of the witch has played into this political cycle in ways that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. There's been some great coverage of 
witches and particularly witches of color, particularly trans and non-binary people of color, um, taking on this regime and this political climate through uh, ritual and ritual theater and occult practice. And there's, there's been some really fabulous coverage of it. And again, if you go back and listen to the great interview that I got to do with Dakota Bersholi, who is one of the one of the people on the team behind the hex of Brett Kavanaugh in New York, we can get kind of in the weeds about the political philosophy about that more. That was get yourself a, a good think that was a fun a fun conversation. Uh, but even people who aren't on the far left are talking about. Um, sort of witchcraft and magic and the occult as as tools for resistance in this current situation. And those of you who follow me know that I'm an anthropologist of religion, and this is kind of my jam. This is what I research is the use of magic and occult practices and spiritual practices for personal empowerment. And we know cross-culturally magic and sorcery and witchcraft are tools of resistance against social order in a lot of places. So it's really fascinating to see this emerging as a response to Donald Trump in a way that it really hasn't, at least publicly, in 20th and 21st century America. Um, And we are both currently reading our our fabulous review copies of Magic for the Resistance by Michael M. Hughes, Rituals and Spells for Change. Um, Hughes is behind, among other things, the mass binding spell of Trump and all who abet him that happens every new moon. So that this has been published and published by Llewellyn in, in this particular moment is uh, really fascinating. So that might actually be a, a place to start. What are you thinking about the book and like how, what is, how's that kind of getting your brain gerbils going, Michael Graywolf? I'm really liking this book. Um <clears throat> It seems like a very uh, what's the word on the phone? Like a very s- simple read. Um, it's very easy to understand, and it's um, I'm, I'm trying to think. It is um, it has some good basics that. You know, for anyone who's just coming into magic in general or or magical resistance has some good basics that you you can kind of get from any, you know, witchcraft book and where you can find them online, you know, grounding and shielding and that type of stuff. But I am enjoying his spin on it. And uh, just kind of like the section where it was history. Yeah, uh, so good. It, it, that would take a little bit more in-depth reading for me because um, I wanted to, you know, just get an just general synopsis of the book for, you know, tonight. Right. I read through several passages and I was like, okay, this is some pretty good stuff. This is Definitely stuff that we should be we should be doing we should be using, and I'm really enjoying the last section of the book, which is just spells, which is kind of like the mm-hmm. well, he has the binding for Trump in there, 
but the other, the ones at the end focus on specific issues like the ha- uh, hashtag MeToo movement or protection for uh, LGBT individuals, um, the Black Lives, Le- Black Lives Matter, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I love that there's a hex on the NRA. <laughs> yes, I saw that one. Yeah, I I'm loving the history section because you know that's the part of the, it's something that I think is often lacking in a lot of pagan discussions. But I'm with you. I like that there are basics, but there's also like you could if you were with a group of people that really wanted to do magic in support of uh, survivors and me too, or or really wanted to join in the, the magical resistance specifically to Trump. Um, you could do that, and it's and it's done in such a way that the I mean I've, I've done the binding, and it is a powerful spell, but it is also playful, and it is not something that you can sort of hurt yourself with. It's it's very very basic, but it's very powerful, and I really appreciate that he's done that. Um, the thing that I really appreciate about what Hughes has done, and I am in the Bind Trump Facebook group and, and have interacted with him a little, uh, I think he's opened up this really important discussion uh, about magic and the resistance. And, and I know as someone who comes out of feminist craft, I have you know, my, my craft has always been explicitly political, and it's, it's always kind of driven me a little up the wall when I talk to other pagans and they're like, Oh, I don't think that magic should be political. I'm not interested in politics. And it just kind of, it, it makes my hair stand on end. First of all, because you can't afford to not be invested in what happens politically in your country, no matter what your government yeah. is. And especially if you have any marginalized identity, you know, you need to know what's going on. And then the anthropologist in me is, and I always, well, okay, most of the time I resist launching into a one-on-one lecture at people, but I'm not going to resist it tonight, <laughs> is that people think, at least in the U.S., people think that politics is, is basically elections, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anthropologists and sociologists, you know, you you probably remember this from your sociology major days, Michael Grable. Politics is yes. about how a society decides about power. It is about mm-hmm. who has power and who doesn't have power and how we figure that out and how we enforce it. And the the figure of the of the witch has always been about power. That's the whole point. Right? You take this identity and it is about taking power, personal power, uh harnessing occult or supernatural power, however you want to think about it, it is about taking power outside the system and claiming it for yourself. So I think that every act of witchcraft, every act of magic is inherently political. <laughs> so when people say they don't want to be political, I just I kind of want to shake them. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I've been thinking about that um, a, a lot uh, as I've been watching all the coverage in the news um, thinking that, you know, if I was doing my dissertation now, it would be really sexy. I would probably have lots of professor job offers because um, we're talking about this now. But I think there's been this really important conversation opened up within sectors of the pagan and magical communities 
about actively using magic as one of our weapons, one of our tools in this process, and people being a lot less shy about it. I mean, Dakota and I talked a, a bit about the sort of people getting squicky about the role of three in karmic return and magical ethics, and that's that's a whole other ball of wax. Um, but oh I'm, my gosh, I'm that, seeing so uh, many people. Uh, <laughs> right. Like when you're talking about literal fascists, let's you know, let's let's talk about who deserves to get harmed and who doesn't. But um, you know, whatever you got to do. Seeing um, people that you know five years ago would never have wanted to, in my circle, would never have wanted to do anything like a binding, are now like, all right, let's go, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's, it's I, I think this is helping people. Um, connect their spiritual practice with the rest of their lives as I think it should be and opening up a great conversation. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to take a um, and leave the room for you to talk. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to go back a little bit to uh, when, you know, when one, one of the things that I love in the magic for the resistance was he had a section in there in like, it's like one of the first chapters where he talks about um, morality or ethics around hexing or cursing. And I was just like, yeah. yes, yes. Um, yeah. I can find that. Cause that was so good. Yeah. Cause in my, in my tradition, we don't have any sort of prohibition against, hexing, cursing. We, you know, we want to make sure you know how to do these things if you need to use them. And again, the whole rule of three, you know, karmic return, that's not everyone's witchcraft. That's not everyone's magic. No, it's not. It's not. And so, Uh, you know, saying you're you're going to get, you know, this, I don't believe in it. So shut up. Right. If, if you don't want to do something because that's your belief, that's fine. Let's find something else for you to do. Um, although I'm kind of like, whenever those people pop up in the bind Trump group, I'm like, what, what did you think you were signing up for, darling? Like, it does what it says on the chin. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've got that section in front of me. It's actually in the first section called Welcome to the Magic Resistance. Um, and one of the – he has some FAQs. And the the question that, that Hughes – is treating as an FAQ is, but isn't binding someone or casting a spell that thwarts the will of voters ethically problematic? And I love his answer. He says, much of the magic in this book is rooted in resistance to extreme conditions and threats. It's not touchy-feely, fluffy bunny magic because it's meant to be employed against very clear dangers and existential threats. While bindings and other defensive magic can be seen as constraining the free will of the spell's recipients, it is clearly ethical to use such spells when the target is harming or attempting to harm others. A good rule of thumb to use is this. Would you endorse a legal action to stop the target's harmful actions or policies? If so, then a magical action is absolutely ethical. And I, I love that because it's just it's so reasonable, <laughs> you know, that – you know, if you want, if you say, "Oh, I want this to stop. I want uh, the deportation at the border to stop." Well, if you have a tool to help stop it, why wouldn't you? Um, mm-hmm. And I also come out of a tradition with no 
prohibition on hexing. I'm I'm going to. All right, pagans tonight, listeners. All things, all acts of love and pleasures, uh, listeners. Note this time and date. It is 7:45 p.m. <laughs> on Wednesday, November 7, 2018. Because I am about to agree with Z Budapest about something. <clears throat> this will never happen again. <laughs> but something that she said is that a witch who cannot hex cannot heal. And I absolutely believe that it's the same magic. And that if, you know, she absolutely supported that it was a weapon of resistance and a tool for justice. So while I disagree with her on almost everything else, I am am down with her on this. That if we are working to prevent greater harm, then Mm -hmm. as, as a friend of mine says, you can't cut your... Your vegan almond spinach broccoli cruelty free loaf without a very sharp knife. You know, there's there's no way um, that we can't that we can live in a world where we do no harm and create no destruction. We just have to be mindful about it and have an end towards it. So, I love the way love the way that he approached that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and I was, I was going to ask you, I mean, I don't know, like, whether or not this is something that you can talk about, but are you seeing a lot of members of your tradition being active in political magic and, and magical resistance? Or, you know, I mean, obviously you don't know what people do in their private practice, but um, mm-hmm. so is there is there I'm, a discussion in the path about all this? I'm seeing, okay, so the ending path does not have <clears throat> we very rarely make unanimous public statements about stuff you know we you know we did one for i can't remember the last one we did uh the last one we did was on turfs in magical practice where the mm-hmm. brothers came together and decided you know we needed to make a statement about this cuz enough of us felt strongly about you know that issue and not to say that people that when things come up that people are not feeling strongly about but they're not wanting to be as vocal which you know everyone has their own thing Uh, a lot of my brothers are very into um and you know just like us you know me and you have a lot of the same um passions that intersect you know, like yeah. the Dakota Access Pipeline, you know, the stuff like that. Um, a lot of my brothers do like, what was I looking for? Um, magic and activism around um, environmental issues. Mm-hmm. So they will mm-hmm. talk up about stuff like that um, on their own pages, doing their own thing in their own communities and whatnot. Uh, but you know there have there hasn't been a lot of talk in the main group about you know doing you know binding on Trump and whatnot like that. I do know brothers who have participated, but they've kept it to themselves. I know a lot of I know there are a lot of pagans who are like if you speak something out loud, like if you're doing this magic and you say it out loud, you're taking away the mat the power behind it. Right, and like I, think, and I talked about I, that. Yeah, and 
you know, when Dakota was doing their thing on the hex, I remember seeing not necessarily my brothers in the online class, but some friends who are like-minded posting, keep that stuff secret when you're doing hexing. But I think keeping stuff, I think keeping stuff like that secret, yes, it might take away a little bit of power because the power comes from, I'm not sure where my brain is going with this train of thought. (laughs) Um, I'm going to derail it for a second. But actually putting out that you're doing this gives it power also, I think. Yes. Yes. I I know I, I think about that too and I've I've had discussions and I'm often of, you know, multiple minds about it. Um mm-hmm. but I I think that especially when you're specifically going after someone or a group of someone's um to have them know you're coming for them, that has some power to it. And I, and I think about uh, like one of the things I talk about in my anthropology classes is this phenomenon known as voodoo death. Uh, it's something that's uh, really well documented in Haiti, but in, in other places where there are sort of syncretic Afro-Caribbean religions uh, that, that are, you know, share some common things as voodoo that when somebody's done something bad enough, that somebody's going to throw their heaviest magic at them, they make sure that person knows, you know, that, that cow tongue shows up on your front door and there is, I mean, documented cases that people, when they sort of know that they've been, you know, cursed for lack of a better word, they do, they waste away and die. And partially it's because the community is like, well, you're, you know, you're already dead. And so they get sort of marginalized, but you know, there's, there's all kinds of, you know, postulates that, Oh, maybe it's the stress. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that, but you know, I believe there's power in that magic, but most practitioners would tell you that part of the, part of the power is in announcing your presence. Um, and, And I think you can do it both ways. You know, if you're somebody who wants to engage in work and never tell anybody, that's great. I think that, like this over-the-top ritual theater that happens in places where there's these public events and they're very multi-sensory. I think that's that's also a piece of it. Um, so I, I've been watching people kind of argue about it, and I can kind of argue both sides of it. It's, it's interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. And I know we've been been talking about it within sort of my immediate circle, and uh, of course I don't speak for for any of those folks, but myself. But you know, talking about, you know, how do we sort of use these tools that we have in, you know, what is, uh, it is a battle for survival. Even those of us like myself, who are a white, cisgender, highly educated woman, I enjoy a lot of privilege. I am not at the top of the list that Trump and his people are coming for, but eventually they're going to get around to me. And mm-hmm. More importantly, they're going to go through a lot of people I care about. And why wouldn't we use these tools to protect ourselves and, and reduce harm where we can? Um, and, I, and I think that's something that Michael Hughes does a really good job of in Magic for the Resistance. He offers up a lot of different options for people. If you don't want to bind Trump and stick selling pins into a Cheeto every 
Newman. <laughs> Not that I've done that. Um, there are other options for you, but you know, to to encourage people to like be to step into this power at this moment. Because if we're not going to do it now, when are we going to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think definitely we could we could talk a whole lot about this book, and I think we definitely oh, should okay. do that, and maybe even do it with Michael Hughes if we can get him on the show. Yes, I am. I am going to reach out to him and see if I can uh, get him on the show because I would really love to, to talk to him about this process. And I think it, it swings back around that, you know, if we look at that for two years or, you know, maybe, okay, give people some time to get over the shock, 18 months since Trump's been in office, um, since Trump was, was well, <clears throat> I won't say elected, since Trump was installed, um, you know, there's been a, a much more visibly active magical resistance there has been before, and I and I think we can look at what happened in the midterms last night and potentially see some of the results of that. Even if we didn't get the big wins on the le- on the well on the center left, uh, we didn't get Beto O'Rourke, we didn't get uh, we didn't get the Senate, and that okay that that hurts. But there were so many victories, um, and in places where I mean people have been doing this work. Um, so, you know, I know we were talking in the in the green room a little bit about the things that we saw, um, and even though we're disappointed with the Texas Senate race, that, the you know, the political landscape, landscape of the country shifted. So was there um, either a race or a ballot initiative or something that you watched last night and were really interested in or were really surprised about? I've got a few. There were there were a few races that I knew about and I was hopeful and about you know who would end up getting elected and whatnot. Um, like I knew about was and now my brain is messing with it. Was it one or two uh, Native American women that got um, two that yeah, were elected? The first two? two Native American women ever. Are going to be in the Congress in the in the House of Representatives, uh, including Sharice Davis, who is uh, Ho Chunk Nation, and is also a lesbian MMA fighter. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I love that I had friends who worked her campaign, uh, and now I'm going to have to look up um, the the name of, of the other woman who's going in Congress. She is um, Pueblo people of the Laguna Nation. Um, so I will look her up. That was a, that was really exciting to watch, and then also sobering to realize that this were these were the first Native women in Congress in 2018, right? It wasn't just first Native women, just first Natives in general, or am I wrong? Uh, no, first Native women. Um, there have been a couple of Native men. Ah, uh, okay. But. Uh, Deb, so when we, hold on. Oh, De- Deb Holland, yes, from New Mexico. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, yes, she's, uh, she's Holland. Da, 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 let me look here, Deb Holland. Yes. Um, so, yes, David is a member of the Hochak Nation, and Holland is an enrolled member of the Pueblo of Laguna. Um, and uh, Sharice Davids is also the first openly queer member of Congress from, from Kansas. Um, 
And I was talking to somebody about this today that, you know, Kansas is a bellwether state. Like we look at what happens in Kansas now, that'll tell you what's going to probably happen in the rest of the nation in two years. This is huge. So, so (laughs) exciting. Um, We also have our first Muslim women in, in Congress, uh, Rashida Tala. uh, Yes. uh, And uh, Ilan Omar, um, Michigan and, and Minnesota. Um, did you were you watching the Colorado governor's race at all? See, I didn't know about that one, and when it hit the news, I was like, "Oh, oh, that, that's awesome!" Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, like, maybe, maybe I did. Yeah, maybe I did hear about it, but I pushed it to the back of my mind because I was like, "Oh, it's not Texas. <laughs> I'm not focusing on it." At the right. Right, yeah, Jared, Jared Polis will become the first uh, openly gay man elected governor anywhere in the country. He did introduce his first man at his press conference last night, which was very, very sweet. Um, there's a bunch of queer folks headed in uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And although I would not have voted for her, I will recognize that she did break the glass ceiling. Republican Christy Nome became South Dakota's first female governor. And although I disagree with her about everything, I will recognize the achievements. Um, <laughs> and and I, I think you make a really good point that there, like, you know, there was, you know, you said, oh, I, I kind of pushed it to back on mine because it's not Texas. And I think we have a tendency to do that. We think about what affects our material conditions in our immediate space more. Um, and you, to sort of pull back and look at what happened in the country last night, I think is really amazing. Even if we're looking at losses in our local area, I am excited that Pete Sessions after 11 terms as the, uh, the representative from basically our old stomping grounds at SMU was Mm -hmm. by Colin Allred, who's a man of color. Um, And that's the, that's the congressional district that George W. Bush and Laura live in, yo. Um, there was no reason for that that seat to be flipped, but it did. Uh, so seeing places where I never thought I would see it flip is huge. We see uh, Democrats picked up something like 35 seats last night in the House, which the House might not be as sexy as the Senate, but the House is where stuff gets done. And we are sending the queerest, brownest, blackest, and most gender diverse Congress uh, House to House of Representatives to Washington ever. Also, two transgender women that I know of that were elected to statewide office last night. So and there. Well, sorry, sorry, Doctor Sue. But no, no, say, uh, didn't Texas also send its first two uh, Latina women? Yes, we, to, we uh, did. The House, of, House of Representatives. Ever. Yes, in 2018, we're finally having our first Latinas, um, and uh, I, you know, watching. I, I watch judicial races and, and such, which I know are super not sexy to people, <laughs> but I love uh, that down in Harris County, which is Houston, uh, for those outside of Texas and who don't know Texas geography, uh, basically one of the most diverse and ever diversifying regions in the nation, there were 19 black women who ran for judicial seats and they all won last night. They ran the table and 
with all the problems there are with the criminal justice and judicial system in this country, to have 19 black women new to the bench in one of the most diverse parts of the, of the country is amazing. Um, I'm really excited to see what they do. And speaking of di- diverse diversity, I can't remember if we, if we already talked about this on the air or if we were just talking about in the green room, um, what happened in Florida. Yes. Yes. Um, do you want to talk about that or do you want me to I, talk about it? I, I'll let you talk about it because you, you actually you know more about it than I do. Uh, Florida, um, Florida, Florida is always complicated. We still don't know who won the governor and the Senate there. They're going to go to recounts probably. Uh, Florida is always a nail-biter, right? But <laughs> Florida, with huge bipartisan support, which is amazing, uh, passed uh, a legislation or, or a state constitutional amendment, but they reenfranchise somewhere between 1.2 and 1.6. I've seen numbers all in that range. A million people that had 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 criminal convictions, felony convictions, have successfully served their time um, and have restored their voting rights. Because a lot of people don't realize that in a lot of places in this country, if you have a felony conviction, you can't vote ever again. It's not universal. But they reenfranchised over a million people last night, 40% of whom are black men. That is going to change the electoral landscape of Florida in the next election, if they get even a fraction of those people out to vote. That is amazing. Um, and that was, that was something I never thought I would see. Um, and anybody who's been watching this election knows that you know, voter disenfranchisement and voter suppression is widespread. That is the next issue that we've got to take on before before 2020. And I think Florida did a great thing. Um, there were a couple of states that put in place uh, automatic voter registration, made it easier to vote. Yeah, the ballot box is only one tool for for revolution and cultural change, but it is a powerful one that we have in this country. So watching watching that happen is amazing. Um, and if if you are feeling demoralized. Um, if you're oh, if you're somebody on the the center and leftward who's feeling demoralized because you lost a high profile race last night, I really encourage you to go and look at what happened nationwide and even what happened in smaller races in your own state, because mm-hmm. there was a good night last night. There was a, a major change. We saw Scott Walker. Oh my gosh! Shout out to the folks at Circle Sanctuary for whatever. You and the community did to get rid of Scott Walker in in Wisconsin. Um, we got rid of Daryl Issa. We got rid of a lot of really problematic people that had held the reins of power for a long time and flipped those seats into the hands of people of color and queer folks and non-Christian folks and women. And it's, it's absolutely astounding uh, that mm. that can happen. Uh, we have a lot of work to do in this country, but you you know there were mm-hmm. initiatives for medical and recreational marijuana. There were all kinds of social issues. Massachusetts, re, you know, uh, reaffirmed the rights of trans people. Um, there's all of these sort of small under the radar wins that are huge wins, and if you're looking to be inspired to keep resisting, that's the way to to look. Those 
those are the mm-hmm. wins we had. And we can't uh, count them all up, the magical resistance and witchcraft, but I know there are a lot of people doing work to help change yeah. this tide. So it's exciting. And- yeah, and you know that kind of that makes me think of something that I shared on social media earlier today, that you actually reshared for me. Um, I was looking at my Twitter feed and reading reading through it again right now. I'm like, hmm, I guess you know, you, it, it applies to all of us in the South here, you know. And I'll, I'll read it right now. It's a Twitter quote from um, Raquel Willis. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Too, too many folks are going to get these jokes off about southern states not acting right and ignore all the blood, sweat, and tears that organizers, voters, and candidates put into their campaign. If you've never lived in a red area, don't act as if you really know what's going on. And yeah, you know, reading that, I'm like, oh. reading that, I'm like, you know, I guess that means. You know, we, we poke fun at Florida, but, you know, there are people there who are fighting. And we know how, yeah. being in Texas, we know how hard it is. Yes. Yes. And, and I think that, you know, our, our electoral system has huge problems because we're first past the post, right? The first person that has 50% plus one wins. Um, and so there, there were a bunch of us talking this morning and actually when I shared that tweet from, from you, it, it sparked a couple conversations and instant message that there are areas of Texas today and a lot of the South um, that if you look at a map, they're red. But really, if you look at the voter turnout, they're purple. That there were places where people other than the GOP put in a showing so much better than anybody ever thought they could. I mean, the Texas Senate seat was in play. That doesn't happen. People that don't live here don't realize that doesn't happen. It was so close. Three percentage points. Whole swaths of the state went blue. Not just Austin and San Antonio and Dallas and Houston. Whole swaths of West Texas. Whole swaths of the Valley. Um, it's it's a change and it's frustrating for those of us who are in a culture that's built on instant gratification, not to just be able to do it in one election. But what happened last night was, was huge. Um, and I, I think we can't, can't ignore that. Even when we look at sort of, you know, like the terrible abortion bills that got amendments that got passed in places like Alabama and West Virginia and, there's so much to still fight against, but there's so much momentum. And I think those of us that are, that are in it down here in the South, um, there's more going on here than it looks like from, you know, from Seattle or Oregon, <laughs> any place that, that's safely blue. And I just, I'm, I'm so proud of the people I know that were out mm-hmm. there doing the work. Um, you know, there's, I mean, white women screwed it up again. We voted overwhelmingly for Ted Cruz, which is gross. Um, there's, there's so much happening. And I, I think she's just right on Raquel Willis about if you're, if you don't live here, you don't know. And people that sort of, I understand people that leave. I have friends who left and I think, you know, you do what you got to do to keep, take care of yourself and your family. But um, mm-hmm. for, I've got friends that are always like, Oh, come, come out to Seattle, come out to New York. And I'm like, 
if we all leave here, it will never change here, and we are on the cusp of it changing. We've just got the work. We've got the work to do. Um, but mm-hmm. we can't just we can't give it up as a lost cause because it's not. And you know, I I as like I was saying in the green room, I, I have hope for the first time in two years. <laughs> <laughs> As as my my lovely partner said, the dumpster is still clearly on fire, but it's like there are people around it with sandbags now. <laughs> They're moving it away from the building. <laughs> you know, and now we have. I mean, we've got a branch of government that can at least theoretically hold Trump accountable, and I, I think that that's that's. I mean, more than we could have asked for. But. Uh, but we have to continue to organize. We have to continue to resist. And uh, if you are interested in learning how to use your practice to resist, I highly recommend Michael M. Hughes' Magic for the Resistance Rituals and Spells for Change, uh, just released by Llewellyn Books, available wherever fine books are sold. Um, and hopefully we're going to, to, to get... Michael, on the show, we'll see what we can do about that. In the meantime, if you go out and you get the book, I'll, I'll share a copy, a, a picture of the, of the cover. Um, if you decide to start working with it, let us know, and we will, as we say, see you in the streets till we all get free. So in addition to keeping up with the magical resistance, do you have anything else coming up event-wise, Michael Graywolf? Oh, event-wise, I I do not. I'm actually starting to look at. Yeah, I'm actually starting to look at my calendar for um, stuff to do next year. Um, but I do have. Yeah, I'm planning early. Uh, but I will say uh, this coming set not Saturday. This coming Sunday at 8 p.m. Um, my myself and my co-host on Walking the Unnamed Path, um, my brother Matthew Sydney. We will actually be interviewing the author of the book *Garbed in*, sorry, *Garbed in Green*, um, Casey Giovanni. Giovanni. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to get his name right before the show. But yes, we will be we will be talking to him about the book, um, which has become very popular in a lot of um, the queer pagan groups um, that I am in. So, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it yes, should if be an uh, interesting show. Yeah. If, if, if you don't uh, already tune in and listen to Michael Graywolf's other pro- other podcasts, Walking the Unimpact, you are missing out. So absolutely tune in <laughs> and listen to to that discussion. And what about you, Dr. Susan? Oh, it's, it's, it's busy. Um, this Friday, <laughs> Saturday, and Sunday, I will be vending at Steampunk November. You can find out more about that at steampunknovember.com. It is a music and arts kind of festival um, here in the North Texas area. Uh, Obviously, it is is a steampunk theme. I have a friend who vends amazing custom pieces with her business, Steam Ingenious, and I will be out there with the Dreaming Priestess booth. I will have all kinds of crystals, salt baths, herb baths, Maybe some ritual kits. We'll see what all gets in the vending box for for this time. So uh, I'll post information about that on the Facebook page. Come out and see me. Next 
a week from Saturday, uh, the 17th at 4.30 p.m. at Hearth Wisdom Store in Arlington, Texas. I'll be doing a workshop called Sweet Dreams, and it's basic magic and herbalism for uh, sleep and dream work. So that'll be fun. That is $15 in advance, $20 at the door. Again, I'll share it to the Facebook page, or you can find it via Facebook by searching for Sweet Dreams and Hearth Wisdom Store. That should be a lot of fun. The following Friday, the 23rd, the Friday after Thanksgiving, I will have my monthly full moon circle, full moon goddess circle for uh, women and non-binary folks at Horizon Unitarian Universalist Church in Carrollton, Texas. We are moved to Friday night this month. That will be at 7.30 p.m. Keep an eye out on facebook.com slash allaxlove. And we are moved to Friday night because Saturday, the 24th, I go to Belgium for four days. At where I'm going to be presenting at a conference. I'm going to be presenting a paper uh, looking at building a pagan uh, ethics of abortion using pagan theology, in particular uh, sort of feminist witchcraft um, theology, but, but pagan more broadly uh, insofar as you can talk about that. Uh, so that will be happening. Um, I've got a bunch of markets coming up and the – Etsy shop is getting updated as soon as my full-time job winds down for a couple of weeks. It's it's a, a busy, busy time. Um, working on getting some oh. good shows lined up and uh, waiting to see what else comes down the pike. You sound like you had a thought. Well, I, I did, but it, when you said you were getting your Etsy shop back up, I was it just it popped in my head. I was like, I was wondering if you were going to be doing anything for Cyber Monday or Small Business Saturday. <laughs> I. I need to figure that out because I'll be out of the country, so I need to figure out how I can do that and make my orders in a fair amount of time. Um, so I've, I've, I've got to think about that. Um, if I can get things sort of set up where somebody could come in and send out packages, because I'll be gone Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then I'll, I come back that Wednesday, um, which... I'll probably have jet lag, <laughs> uh, but I do I need to need to look at it and see see what I might be able to do. And I will be running some special stuff. Um, you can find me at dakotawitch.etsy.com. Um, you can also find me on Patreon at patreon.com/susanharper. It does what it says on the tin. Uh, that is getting built out, but Patreon subscribers uh, get the first tip when I get new stuff in the Etsy store. Sometimes they even get tipped off before it hits the Etsy store. Uh, you can get a, get a pre-order in uh, usually a special deal. So uh, I will post all of those links. Um, I'm hoping to really build that out and do, do some good writing and such uh, in 2019. But first, we're going to finish out 2018. So yes. def- definitely, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Tune in next week for Jason with Raise the Horns Radio. He is always so much fun to listen to. And if there is someone you'd like us to interview or something you'd like us to talk about, send us a Facebook message through facebook.com slash allxlove or email us at pleasure at gmail.com. We're always looking for good stuff. Uh, we are cooking up some fabulous shows for the end of the year, and 
next year. So you've got to stay tuned to us on social media or tune in with us every other Wednesday night to see what we are up to. Until next time, I am Dr. Susan. And I am Michael Greywolf. Have a blessed night. Bye. listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight.